Everybody, welcome back to Roosters on Tangy River Road in Columbus, Ohio. This is Letterman Live, Roosters. brought to you by Roosters. It's a fun, casual conversation. They've all been a lot more fun recently now that college football is back, now that the Big Ten will be back uh, in about four weeks, and now that the pads are going to be on for the Buckeyes on Wednesday, everything is a lot more fun. Uh, Michael Bennett, Jake Stoneburner, Anthony Schlegel, the difference down there. As we keep uh, rolling along, there's there's some college football that we can talk about. The Pac-12 is even coming back now. The Mountain West, the MAC, everybody's going to play. We're back. Everyone's been waiting for the MAC. Yeah, now that's back. That's we the whole. We're good to go. If if you don't have the MAC, you can't play football. No, so it wouldn't be so right. we'll have some Monday games next month and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Uh, and everybody's now back in the polls. I think that I'm tr- I'm trying not to fall into this trap of talking about what is obviously just a ploy to get us debating college football, but. The Buckeyes at number. You're a six. master debater, though. But well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've got years of practice. Um, number six Buckeyes. I, it doesn't sit right. Nope. I think if anything, it's a good thing though. Like if they're gonna rank you early and you've got less games to go on, especially for the Buckeyes, you want them to rank us a little lower so you you know because you know Coach Day is gonna be in there saying like they don't respect you, yada yada. It's gonna put a little fire under the guys, and if you have less games to go off of. Having that little extra push at the beginning of the season, I think it's going to be pretty beneficial. But we all know the Buckeyes aren't the sixth best team in the country. <laughs> yeah. It's absurd. Especially after watching these past few weekends. Absurd. It's like, well, man, if they could just put together some wins, they, they'll be number one before we know it. Mm-hmm. But that's the weird part for me, Stoney, is like all these voters had them at number two in the preseason. So whether they played a game or not, who cares? Maybe you maybe were more impressed by Alabama after one game and you moved them up to number two. But what is it? What has anybody possibly seen that would change your mind from August to now that necessitates the Buckeyes dropping to six? Well, part of it I understand is that some voters are waiting until every team has played a game. Now they didn't all use that approach last week when they were ranking SEC teams, but I get it, and that depresses the total number of votes for the Buckeyes, and they fall from two to six. But it just doesn't make any sense. You can't have two different standards or different standards amongst all voters. What like what are we even looking at? Right, I, it does, I don't get it. There's, there's no uniformity. If you look at where it is right now, Florida played really well, you know, versus kind of who. You look at Georgia; they benched their starting quarterback, I believe, in like the second quarter or at halftime. I don't even know. <laughs> so they're kind of garbage. And then you got Notre Dame. Have they really impressed you? No. So you're going to put them behind those two teams? I can see them coming in at fourth, but they should never have been in the poll. They should never have been taken out of the poll in the first place. Right. right, And that was kind of the thing as they started. So then the Buckeyes dropped out. It was the largest drop-off ever right out of a out of a uh, AP poll or coaches poll. And then they put him back in with the largest jump of all time <laughs> where they went from unranked to six. Right, well, It should have been even more because we should probably be at, at the four range. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know, Mike said it best. Like, it's just food for fodder, right? It's, it's, it's hey, we're going to motivate the guys. They don't know how good you are. You're going to have to come out there and really execute. And as we saw this last week, and I'm sure we'll get into it, Every game is important. Everybody has to be ready, you know, on point all the time because bad things can happen to you. And if you're not prepared, you know, you can see yourself getting snake bit. I don't see that from the Buckeyes because that's not their MO because they're a player-driven culture, right? So they're going to come out the gates hot. But every game matters now. So I covered I covered you two, and I've known Schlegs a long time, and I, know, I have to assume that the approach was the same. When we would ask you guys, oh, here you are in the rankings or – Here's what the you know CFP rankings look like. You would always say, "Oh, we we don't pay any attention to that. We don't care if we win. We handle our business." I know that that's a lie. Hmm. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm you know on everything I hold dear. Come on, it's not a lie. Because <laughs> if anything, those rankings are just going to mess you up mentally. If you go in it and you're like, "We're the number two 
uh, team in the country, everybody, you know, we're going to go to the championship, you, you're going to have a hard time. You still have to earn it week in and week out, day in and day out. And then for players, you know, there may be some players who really got excited about yeah. that, but none of it, like preseason All-American, preseason this and that, it truly, genuinely is for the fans. It doesn't, it, it shouldn't hold any weight in the locker room. Maybe, maybe it does for some people, but it really shouldn't matter at all to the players or coaches other than for the rare opportunity to fire players up. <laughs> I think as a Buckeye, knowing it doesn't matter what the rankings are, because if you, as long as you win every game, you're going to be in every poll, top four, top two, top three, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Coming from Ohio State, you can win every game and that takes care of itself. So I think seeing the rankings as nice as a justification, like, oh, our team's doing pretty well, but you just know if you win every game, we're going to be in it. I was only ranked one. We were ranked number one for one week in my whole career, and I will say I did note that. I was like, that was pretty – we're the number one cool. team in the country. I'm playing them. And, you know, we lost the next week to Wisconsin. But noting that, there hey, you know, we're the number Got one team. Got wrapped up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, hey, you know what? That maybe Look at that. that. Was yeah. <laughs> that was, so why? It's a trap. That was the year, like four straight weeks in a row, the number one team lost. We just happened to fall in that little trap there. But you know what? Maybe we did because we were noting how we're number one in the country. We're the big guys around, and – Wisconsin takes that opening kickoff, and the future was written on the wall after that one. Yeah, I um, I don't think our guys care. They're just super juiced up. You know, credit to them. And I was actually just got done teaching a leadership class about this. Buckeyes right there. That's for you guys. Uh, thank you, Roosters. I uh, just got done talking about discipline. And um, somebody that was in our class lives with some of the football players, and he just accredited them to having a tremendous amount of self-discipline because at the end of the day, they just want to go play some football. They're getting the opportunity to do that. Their play will – will elevate their status very, very quickly because this is a year that is more subjective than anything else because we don't have any cross, you know, conference games to reference to have side-by-side comparisons. It's truly predicated to the footprint and the conference in which you play and based on other people's perception of your competition, that's going to allow you to either move up or move down in those in those rankings. So it doesn't matter where they start. It's all about where they finish. And again, with their schedule, Going out and executing and playing at a very, very high level is what they have to do to get to where they want to get. And that, at the end of the day, it's just an opportunity to go play in the college football playoffs and hopefully have it to where it's a, it's a uh, Clemson-Ohio State matchup for the championship, right. not we a semifinal, <laughs> right? So we get that one extra. But, I mean, really, that's what you're playing for. You know, in the college football playoff, it's who's at one, who's at two, who's at three. Okay, two and three doesn't matter. As long as it's not Ohio State and Clemson at two and three, so we don't get that because that's the really the championship. And game. somebody gets a buy there on the other side, basically. Exactly because we saw it this week in the Garbaggio that was yeah, the twelve. The, the okay, normal go ahead. buy, go ahead, go the ahead. normal buy in the college football playoff is already gone. Oklahoma's out. <laughs> go ahead, go I, ahead. Talk, I, wanna, talk about it. I just want to add in because I know I do think there are a lot of teams that those rankings, those preseason rankings are are very very important. Like I would assume that Nebraska really cares about their rankings because that's how they get recruits and all that kind of stuff. But specifically for, and I mean, it'll be a a repetitive thing for me to always bring this up, for those top five, top ten teams, those rankings don't matter because you can't lose more than one game. You And even that one game has to be against somebody who's, who does care about their rankings right. they still have to be a top team that you lose to because we see you know if you if you're at Ohio State you are going you're trying to go to the national championship going 10 and 2 is not a winning season for us it's not 
exciting. The fans don't want to see that. The players don't come here for that. We come here to play in the national championship and win it. And so, you know, whether they put you at 2, 6, 10, 15 makes no difference. You need to beat everybody you go against week in and week out by a considerable margin if their ranking isn't comparable to yours. I wondered if that might have just changed, like, since Schlegs was playing, and then at the end of Stoney's career, there was still no college football playoffs. So at that time, the AP poll and the coaches poll, I mean, I'm not trying to draw any distinction here in the age group, but, you know, those actually mattered for something. Yeah. yeah. They they don't matter now. Maybe that was different, you know, when Michael Bennett and the 14 team going through. Well, that doesn't matter because the selection committee is going to make the choice. When you two were playing, it was part of a formula. Uh, you know, you needed to impress voters and – you know, I would have thought maybe you'd pay a little bit more attention on a week-to-week basis than maybe more recent teams or this current team has to. For sure, because at the end of the day, the college football playoffs is just being selected to go to that playoff. Anything yeah. besides that really is pointless. Yeah. Not pointless, but you know, there's other bowls that you can look forward to, but that's the goal from an Ohio State former player. We want to be in the playoff. Mm-hmm. And so the rankings, the AP, all that seems unnecessary until, all, until they come down to, okay, who's getting in this playoff? When we were playing, Schlegel's a little bit older than me. You were BCS time. I was there. I, Fiesta Bowl was BCS. I was still there. That was more. That was all about rankings because mm-hmm. you know they seeded off the rankings. You wanted to be higher in the AP, uh, but now it seems all just about playoff, which is still based on rankings. But you could be you could be a six ranked team and still make the playoffs as we've seen in years past. So we'll see. I actually would like to see the rankings come out like after four or five weeks of play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, here's the other thing. we Nobody knows how many games people are going to get in. Right? We saw, I think it was Georgia State actually had 17 cases of COVID that they found out were mis- misread mm-hmm. and everybody was negative and had to cancel a game. Like, that really can happen. Mm-hmm. And so, the pac is coming out with a seven-game schedule. Ohio State has an eight-game se- schedule. The SEC has a ten-game schedule. How many can they you know, actually play is eight enough is seven enough is the 10. I, I would like to see everybody. Have, I mean, honestly don't have us in it, allow the body of work to be presented. And then after they played four or five games, then come out. I mean, that would, they could have a show every week, right? Instead of just having these projections, have a show starting week three or week four, right? Cause most of the non-conference games are done by then this year, especially you're playing conference games only come out and say, Hey, here's where we see that you rank. You know, and have that type of show, and then go through it every week until you lead up to the college football playoff, to where they actually rank everybody, because that's the only one that matters. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the problem with this now, and I love the debate. Like that's part of being of a college football do. fan. Yeah. Like not not just for our show, but like college football with 130 teams would not exist if there weren't uh, debates and discussions. Like that drives the sport. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what's built it into this. But some of it are just you know, it's so contrived. Like. These same voters had a preseason top 25. For sure. They viewed those teams as the top 25 best. So now you're going to leave a gap of two months from where you thought Ohio State was no- number two. And then what is not, what is Nebraska going to prove to you? Yeah, based off the body of work that they did from Georgia in order to – and I'm just looking at the teams. Like, I can understand the, the Florida, right? They got some – they got trash back. They actually look pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the Georgia and the Notre Dame, like, you mean to tell me their body of work makes you think – between that two-month gap that they're now the sixth-ranked team in the country, which absolutely makes no sense. I also think pedigree matters. 
I mean, you see Georgia ranked wherever they get ranked every year and then do what Georgia does. You see Notre Dame get ranked every year well, where they get ranked. Same thing with then, Texas A&M. Texas yeah. A&M beat Vandy 17-12. to 12. Are you kidding me? <laughs> with those type of facilities, you can go out and play Vandy 17-12. to 12. Nope. That's Garbaggio, and you're a top-10 team. Yeah, I think, like, yeah. What are we talking about? Pedigree so, matters. That's like giving up 56 points to Texas Tech and almost losing. Dude, <laughs> that's real. Both those guys, think about that. Both, the, both those guys are, are former Ohio State I, I, uh, I can't, coordinators. I can't believe it. Like, I really thought that you know Tom Herman was such a, a bright guy, engaging guy, great to work with when he was at Ohio State. Hang on, time out, time out, time out. You got to pass me those mac and cheese yeah, bags. I was going to hold these hostage. So <laughs> yeah, I'll bring them over second here. Half of the Let's show. go. I'm I thought, sorry. I thought he would be the guy that would get it turned around, a home run hire for Texas. It has not worked out. Now, so good. you know, Chris Ash, another guy that you know quite well, Michael Bennett, that he goes in there to try and fix that defense, and boy, uh, that has not happened yet. Yeah. Now, it's early, but there's still no excuse for a team with – Texas facilities, its budget, its ability to recruit in that state to ever give up 56 points to anybody. Both both of those coaches are stellar coaches. I think without question, you could argue that both of those coaches, when we were Chris Ash and Tom Herman, for our national championship run, Absolutely. were vital. Absolutely vital. I would argue that there might be something wrong with Texas yeah. because I also thought Charlie Strong was the real deal. I thought he was going to go to Texas and they were going to be a force and it didn't happen. And then you see Tom Herman go, and, and I mean, the guy's an offensive mastermind. I think he's a great uh, motivator. And then Chris Ash, whatever Tom Herman might lack in motivation, Chris Ash makes up for, and he's a defensive mastermind. If they can't get it done together, then they're, I'm going to blame Texas. The whole state, either the, <laughs> the whole state, state of Texas I'm from there. or the, the whoever's running the university, something's wrong right. because they've got the talent, they've got the coaches, so I don't know what other pieces there are to be missing, but something's not right. I think it's hard to win games in the Division One level year in and year out, and mm-hmm. we've just been so spoiled with Ohio State because it just seems like the past two or three decades, that's all we do. There's been no downfall. And I think it goes to the man in charge. As much as Coach Herman, Coach Ash, great coaches, you know, there's something to be said about the head coaches we've had and the careers they've had. There's maybe that's what you know. Maybe those guys are great. That's a good point. Masterminds yeah. on offense and defense. You know, between Urban and Coach Tress, neither one of them seemed masterminds on each one. They were just masterminds of leading men. Yeah. And look at those how those two decades went. I would agree, I would say those two coaches are masterminds at what they do. Maybe they're not the greatest at leading a whole group of men, uh, as far as like inspirational coaching wise. That would be my take. That's a great point. Um, more on the because I play with some guys on the professional level who are more of the, the offensive mastermind. You're mm-hmm. like, this is the last guy I really want to play for. <laughs> yeah, I want to play for a coach, not just a guy who's good at X's and O's on offense. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that I feel like maybe that could be their problem as far as maybe they aren't meant to lead. They're meant to just, all right, I'm great at offensive coach. Maybe I just need to stick to that mm-hmm. and know my role and not try to take on this big program like uh, Texas. I mean, that's a that's a big side, biggest state, biggest program in that state. That's a large overtaking. Well, here, the, the other thing too is it's different in Texas. I'm, 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 I got a couple things I'm going to go on a ramp. You here look at go. you Let's look go. at no. Well, you look at um, <laughs> Ohio State. Like I'll take it this way, Clemson. And Alabama. The thing with Coach Meyer, when we view Ohio State versus Clemson and Alabama, is that they would never have lost by the margin of which they did to a Purdue or an Iowa. Remember that? Our one-year oh, losses. I, like, I like, certainly remember it. Right. You'd be like, hey, <laughs> hey, 
would Alabama do that? Would Clemson do that? The answer was no. We would never have gone out. They would never have gone out there and lost by 20 plus points never. on the road to those type of teams. Like that was the thing that kind of separated that didn't give us the benefit of the doubt to go to the college football playoff, right? Then you look at even what we had uh, this week. Dagum DBU, supposedly, it's not. LSU gives up 623 yards to Costello, who was from a transfer from Stanford, and the Pirate himself, right? <laughs> and the only reason they played LSU is because the Chiefs, the, uh, the, the, what was it? The Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, and the Baltimore Ravens were playing somebody. So they had to play LSU, not DBU. So they gave up a ton of points. And then you look at the Texas and the Oklahoma game and the amounts of points they give up. I think there's two things. One, we are spoiled in the fact that our coaches now are developers of elite talent. Mm -hmm. The culture is there to have discipline. Not necessarily – there is discipline that is forced from the the top down – but it is intrinsically self-disciplined through the players that permeates the program that is the most effective. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have here. And then because of that, you have elite-level coaches that then develop that great talent through their hard work into the players that go on to play big-time ball on Sundays. And that's the product that you get here. Side nugget, I think recruiting Texas and being that state school is very difficult. You have to go get the five-star guy in the state to keep him in the state, even when it do, even when it goes against the culture and the type of player that you actually need for your program. Ohio State does a great job. We keep some guys in. Some guys leave our state, and we will go national. But the ones that we take nationally are ones that fit our program from a personal perspective, but also a work ethic and a grinder and a talent perspective that fits our system. Right? Yeah. And they're usually Texas's best players. High State's been picking out. Yeah, and, and they go after them, right? And even, even in their own backyard. And that's that's where it goes. Who are am I selectively acquiring the right talent? Not just going and getting talent for talent's sake, but acquiring the right talent that fits into our culture and our scheme to allow us to play. Well, and the thing that that Michael said when it's a a Texas problem, which I think is accurate, and Stony built on it right there. If you're talking about Garrett Wilson and Barrett Browning and Jeff Akuda and J.K. Dobbins and you know a handful more that never ever used to happen. And I'm, I, I was the only Texan, <laughs> right? It but, said there was a thing but, on Buck, one one tough Texan, but, 2004. But not even, <laughs> that, but not even that you were the only one on the Ohio State roster. But that Texas used to go to National Signing Day and they already had their 25 commits from the for the next year already locked up. There was nobody ever wanting to leave the state of Texas. So I don't know what is causing that. If it's been the hires, if it was Mac Brown letting something slide at the end of his tenure, uh, if it's not administrative support. I mean, I don't know how that could be it when they have, you know, Ohio State and Texas have the two largest athletic budgets. They don't recruit, I feel like, a whole lot out of Texas either. Like the bigger guy, you don't feel like a lot of outside huge recruits are going to Texas. Right. I mean, think, I mean, did you want to go play for Texas? I, I know guys. Who went to other states who still can respect the Did name you want Ohio to play for State? Texas? I didn't get recruited by them. So when I got, I mean, Mac Brown told me, he's like, man, we should have recruited. I was like, yeah, no crap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the other thing that has really happened to Texas, and it was Mac Brown's fault, he got complacent. Trust got complacent at the end. Yep. I mean, the amount of depth that they have right now at Ohio State is very different than the depth. That we had when I played there, sure. right, and even later in his tenure, and I, like that's what you see. Like you have a wide receiver room of nothing but four and five star guys getting a crap coached out of them, 
And that's the other thing that we're starting to see in college football. It's the people that you know that are on your staff that make your staff up as opposed to doing what Ryan Day did. And he goes out and he's like, you know what? We need to revamp our defense. I'm going to go out. Do I have relationships with them? Yes, kind of. But I'm going to go hire the very best coaches. And if they're already on staff, I'm going to keep them on staff. Even if I don't know the guy or he's not my BFF, I'm not going to hire him. Right, because I want to hire guys that want to develop dudes, and so you see these guys get their opportunities. I'm going to leave Ohio State to go to Houston. Then you go to Houston, you win because the ACC, AAC. Well, then I'm going to take my staff with me. Are they really the very best coach at that position yeah. to develop your guys? But no, you keep them because of loyalty in college football. And unless right. you get out of that gap and start recruiting to have the depth, and then get the coaches to go develop them, you are going to be stagnant. Especially when you're competing with Oklahoma in the Big Twelve. You have the SEC right down the road in Texas A&M and LSU. Like everybody's grabbing for the same players, but you can't develop because you got your your best friend yeah well that was our problem i think a little bit towards the end of my career yeah, mm-hmm. with coach tress a lot of his coaches were the same staff for the five five six straight years and as leg was pointed out no way all those guys were the best at their position ryan day now is trying to find the best coaches he can for each one of his guys it, it got Tress got a little bit maybe complacent, which is these are my buddies. Some of them are great coaches, maybe some aren't. Great but this people. Is great people. These are the people I want around our facility. Ohio State's now at the point where they're trying to develop and bring in the best talent on all fronts. Go ahead, Mike. I'll say something after you. It's just kind of building <laughs> off of what you guys are saying. Whenever someone asks, you know, what made Urban as good as he was or as great as he was, I think one of the biggest factors that I was able to see was his recruiting, obviously, of players – but his ability to bring the best college football coaches into – I mean, I look at the coaches that we had, and I thought they were stellar. Like, I mean, you see, like, yeah. Tom Herman, Chris Ash. I mean, all of our D-line coaches that we had were – I mean, we had Coach Vrabel and Coach Johnson. I mean, they're incredible I mean, coaches. How many co- head coaches from yeah, that Luke, staff? Yeah, Luke Fickle. We had Coach yeah. Fickle, who's – I mean, incredible, incredible coaching staff. And and if you can't – so, yeah, it's really basic, building off what you guys are saying is just – Okay, cool. You are a good coach. You have another good coach, and you've got good recruits. But then you've got five coaches who are okay, who they they get the job, they show up to work, and they put a smile on their face. But they aren't the best, relentlessly coaching top talent. Yeah, and I want to add on to that too because Larry does that. Larry is relentless. He thinks about his guys that are in the NFL all the time, mm-hmm. and he's sitting there writing down notes as he watches film over them. But then you look at, and again, there's nothing wrong with being loyal to your coaches. No, no, no. But when you got to make the decision because we saw that with Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, a lot of those guys were on our were yep. coached me, me and, and they're great guys, but at some point you got to make the decision that and there's something to be said about having consistency and continuity within a staff because you know how each other works or how everybody works and how we're going to game plan, how we're going to do, you know, um uh halftime adjustments like that's cool right and Tress could do a lot of that because Tress was very micro and he cared about all those guys but we also found out when you took the hub out of the wheel and lost Tress and then you implanted Luke Fickle to run that show doesn't have anybody on offense we remember what that looked like in 2011 but if you had really elite coach I'm not saying that they weren't but it could be potentially be very very different so that's why it's super important but to the fact of coaching and how Real that is in the college level. Look at the amount of recruits that Michigan gets and look at the amount of recruits that we get based upon rivals and all that crap that yep. means nothing. Yep. And then you look at that talent that's developed that goes to the league. The number, I mean, honestly, it's, I think it's like six times the amount that we produce at Ohio State versus that team up north based upon the same 
recruit caliber of athlete going to that school. If you don't think it's about coaching, you are mistaken. <laughs> the other part, too, I, I just wanted to throw this in when we're talking throw it about in there. what Ryan Day's decisions with his coaching staff is that Alex Grinch is looking for a raise or more responsibility and the choice is leaving to Oklahoma or fighting to keep Alex Grinch in Columbus. And Ryan Day said, I think we're good here. No. How's that working out for Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Not so great. How many points is it going to take to win the Red River shootout? we got Chris Ash and Alex Grinch fighting to try and get these defenses going. 38 points to Kansas State in the Super I'm happy out. I am playing the Big 12 because <laughs> I would never play because I just like to hit people, and they just run around and throw the ball. And I'm like, this stinks. Sounds like a dream to me. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, <laughs> Stoney wants in. He wants to go play in that air raid. He wants uh, the I tight ends to get the football down there. I couldn't do it either. Goodness. No, 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 no. That's not And, and it's difficult. Let's not care ourselves, man. It's difficult playing that. And I, I will say this, too. That – We've, we've seen this in the NFL. These guys didn't really have a camp. I mean, they did, but yeah. they did it right. They didn't have the preseason games versus non-conference teams where you get adjusted. We're seeing that in the NFL right now. Tons of poor, I mean, poor tackling, tons of wide open misassignments, especially communication um, on the defense. You're seeing the, the, there is no home field advantage anymore in the NFL because you got a guy in Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night football <laughs> drawing them off sides with a hard count <laughs> that he would be on offense and he could, he wouldn't even be able to hear himself. Right. And he's drawing at New, uh, at New Orleans off sides because of that, right? So there's a lot of things that are going on. And again, the NFL, it's only week three of potentially the preseason, right? In the Big 12 and stuff, this is a lot of things that they could get hammered out. But again, it's what you do in this time so that when you get to the field, you have to be able to execute and you got to play like a national champion contender every single week because people are going to take that body or that resume yeah. and be like, dude, you went to overtime versus Texas Tech and they went, <laughs> you know, they went four and four yeah. and six, yeah. right? You got beat by Kansas State and they went, you know, three and seven. Yeah. I feel like, like this what? year they're going to have to be extra critical of those losses because there's such a smaller sample mm-hmm. size. Especially in the conference yep. versus because they're going to be looking at ranked on ranked. That's it. That's the only thing you can do within the conference. Like, where were they ranked? How many teams did you beat? Boom. All right, hold that thought. We're going to come right back. Oh, this is so good, guys. Listen, Tuesday nights, don't they have a mac and cheese bite thing? It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet of mac and cheese bites. Just come to Roosters. I want all-you-can-eat buffet of mac and cheese bites. All right, we're going to roll along. Letterman Live brought to you by Roosters. We'll be right back. Roosters is one of the unique companies that we deal with. They're involved in everything we do, from our personal foundation to also the Cancer Research Fund. And that's from the Buckeye Cruise from Cancer to all the events leading up to the Buckeye Cruise. They donate back to different organizations that are near and dear to their heart. And we're so fortunate to have been with Roosters now for a long, long time. All the folks at Roosters are just genuinely kind folks, and they want to make a difference. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. All right, welcome back to Letterman Live, brought to you by Rooster. Schlage's left. He ate all the mac and cheese bites that they had here. (laughs) Schlage's still left? He left me too. I thought that he just drained the whole kitchen. He's like, that's it, I'm out of here. I got two of them. All right, well, Doug Worthington is taking his place. Uh, He's even more swole right now than Schlage's. They they had a little debate on the way in. (laughs) Looking good. Must be the the shrimp here. Yeah, his his body is the bomb off the Peloton, and we kind of cleared that up, so don't. Sorry, no, I don't, don't look like Schlegs and Doug anymore, but you, you know. You look good, man. Appreciate Show them the pecs, man. You want to say I do, pecs it, on I do occasional push ups. Yeah, yeah. Occasional. 100 a day, right? Yeah. Ish. Try. 100 ish. 100 ish a week, maybe. <laughs> I just swing the golf club. That's that's great workout for me. Um, all right. So, speaking of workouts, the Buckeyes finally get to put on the pads Oof. on Wednesday. Yes. And we talked about this a little bit right before break about how important 
it's going to be for teams to get up to speed. You don't have any preseason games, and for Ohio State's, you know, that's the NFL. For Ohio State, they're not going to have non-conference games. You're going to go right into Nebraska. So, what needs to be done in those three weeks, Doug? Man, it's the trenches, man. These guys will tell you, uh, tight end, defensive lineman as well. We got to kind of get that muscle memory going back. So the fact of the matter is not having pads on, your hands is not really even placed on the correct area where you need to be able to engage and try to get off. So this week is going to be crucial. I know Ryan Day said it is, is, it is pertinent that they get like the issues kind of ironed out when it comes down to up front and the depth. Um, it's going to be fun, though. I remember my first times going out there when it comes down to putting on a pad that week. You have those butterflies. You want to get out there. You want to see the bullets huh. flying. And uh, it's going to be nice. It's going to be sweet. I know that was your favorite time of year, Stoney. I was just, I was just making me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's when the bullets are flying. You get to go do one-on-ones. You get right. to go do actually play football a little bit. It's a little, it's a little unnerving just because it's like, oh, this is the bullets are flying now. Uh, but like Doug was saying, they, I mean, they got to go in there and act like it's almost like, like a real game. You're seeing it in the NFL. They're coming out and they're looking sloppy as ever. Now, Ohio State, they don't usually get the preseason games. They get the non-conference games. They can still come out looking sluggish, but coming out and playing the Big Ten right away, you don't have room really to look sluggish. Or all of a sudden, you could be in a fist fight right away. And I think you're seeing that in the other conferences where maybe teams aren't as sharp as they're supposed to be and they're losing to inferior teams. And so I think these next week to two weeks, it's really about honing in on getting ready for a, a real live action game. And that might even include some tackling, too, because there's something about just getting tackled that makes you feel better prepping for that next that first game. Yeah, I think they I think they would have to, Michael, because these the Buckeyes didn't get to put on the pads at all in spring ball. They were getting to the end of the first week, that acclimation period, three practices and then boom, everything shuts down. So they haven't hit anybody Dang, that's live since the Fiesta Bowl. I would assume I would assume there would be at least one live period a day. I I don't see a way you couldn't do that. Um, and they still got to be careful because once again they haven't hit anybody in X amount of months, so those injuries are you got to be you do really have to be careful about that. But I mean these guys just said it. You can't replicate playing football. You can't even with no pads on. You can do as many workouts as you want. Mm-hmm. You can do as many seven on sevens as you want. It's not the same until you're hitting. That threat of getting cracked by a, D- a DB or a linebacker for a receiver <laughs> is not the same in seven on seven. The defensive lineman being worried about getting put in the dirt. You're not getting put in the dirt when you got no pads on. Right. But all these different things, I mean, I-, I think they have to have at least one live period a day to get the guys ready, get the guys back in that mojo of, of really having to um, – having to gut out different plays and all that kind of stuff, especially like Doug was saying for the trenches. I yeah, mean, geez. for for offensive and defensive linemen, pads are a necessity. I, oh, I, yeah. It's it's almost a waste of time to not have pads on because it teaches you stuff that isn't that doesn't work. Right. Like I can do moves with no pads that once the pads come on, those moves don't work. But without pads, they're they're money. They're they'll hit one hundred yeah. times. Um so yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I hope I think this will give Coach Day and the rest of the coaches a much better glimpse at what they're working with and and where their guys are at mentally. There you go. How does Coach Jay get guys ready? Because he's obviously not just been oh we can't do anything until the pads come on. I know there's a lot of the, the hand fighting drills that you guys did and the throwing down the big I don't know if it, the huge hula hoops that are like mm-hmm. ten feet long and working on your footwork. Like how much of that prep work pays off to so, get you ready when the pads come on? How, what else you guys do? From the, Co- oh, oh, you go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was you got say, it. Coach you, Jay, right? you played for Coach Jay. <laughs> Coach Jay? Yeah. The, Coach the difference with uh, <laughs> Anthony Sleg was the difference, man. They keep your hands all in tight and all that good stuff. Oh, elbows in. Big sleds. I'm, I, so I, I've been in the trenches, and I've also split out wide. Yeah. The trenches, when there's no pads, like Michael said, it is almost pointless. 
There's, you can do stuff with hand wise, you can get hand technique down, but you're not going to be able to practice until the live bullets are going or you're fully padded because that's really when you're going to get that feel. As a skilled position, you can get as much work as you've done without pads on. Mm-hmm. Now, the blocking is still, that's a big thing Ohio State receivers hang their cap on is blocking. Yeah. That's where they could get the pads on and you know, develop that. But it's the trenches, I think, you know, the hula hoop drills, the hand drills, getting your hands, that's all good for the mental reps, but until the bullets are flying, you really aren't going to know what you have as far as I think in the trenches because you can't, you're not going to be able to show anything. Like Michael said, you can do moves without shoulder pads on that would make guys look like fools. <laughs> as soon as you put on the shoulder pads on, I'm going to hit you and deplete you because you look like <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, you opened up your chest, but that's because you didn't have pads on. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to allow maybe even some of the younger guys to get some of their reps in, build up some of that maybe a little bit more confidence because there's not going to be those first three games where you can throw the younger guys in and be like, all right, we're playing uh, you know, Northern Illinois. Yep. They'll get some third string running backs in. And no, we're playing Nebraska. So the the ones need to get a lot of reps ready because it's go time immediately. It's Big Ten season the second that kicks off, which that, that's pretty interesting to me to think about as a former player because usually you got that first three weeks as a leeway of all right these are warm-up games maybe one big game in there and then big 10 you're like all right that's you know week four this is right out of the gates we got to be right locked and loaded i uh i had a little bit of, of time with uh the great uh, Larry Johnson. When I played in the NFL, I came back. I was actually training with Adolphus Washington. So yeah, man, it was it was a great time. He was actually in Buffalo, so I'm over here trying to give him hints about some Buffalo oh, food or whatnot. <laughs> I don't think he's playing, but um, when it comes down to like those guys said, are these particular drills that Larry Johnson puts you through? Even though they do not have pads, you know you can attest to this. Those little hip muscles, the ankle flexibility, the the, the way that you got to turn, the way that you got to react and kind of get to the ball and just hustle. He he ha- he had those guys kind of grinding in that particular mode. But this week with the pads on, listen, uh, a couple extra ounces um, when the sweat hits you, the, the way that those pads kind of feel after a while, the neck has to get used to the helmet hitting the, 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 the back plate a little bit. It's going to change the way the guys kind of react, the way that things happen in drills. So it is a lot that you can do. And Coach Johnson is probably the best at doing it. But uh, they're going to figure it out when it comes down <laughs> to these next couple weeks. It also helps that they're going against each other. Right. I'll, I know I'll never forget – my first few years at tight end, I'm sitting there blocking Cam Hayward, Oof. Thaddeus Gibson, uh, Nathan Williams, and then you go in the games, you're like, where like these guys are awful compared to what right. I'm going against. Well, it, even even when you get through the Big Ten, there's some teams you're like, man, my practice is harder than that. Mm-hmm. So I right. think them going against each other is gonna they're gonna get in these games, and some be like, oh wow, our team's pretty pretty stacked because <laughs> the guys I'm going against are trash. <laughs> that, that, there, too many times that would happen is you you know you go on and practice and you're going against all pro NFL guys. Now you look back and you play in that game, you're like man, no wonder. This game seems easy because look look at the guys I'm going against. Yeah. They're all pro. I mean, they're you know, Big Ten, All American type defensive players. The the ones on ones going against each other the next few weeks are gonna, I think, up get them a lot more ready than usually camps might post camp. There's mean, prior also camps. and there's also like you brought up earlier, Sony, the the sense of urgency that there is for the coaching staff. I've you know covered a, a number of these training camps with Urban Meyer and Ryan Day around where it's like uh, all right, well. You're not even in a hurry to establish a depth chart, and you go to week one, you might still be playing two quarterbacks. Even We've, there was always, you know, that was very rare that that happened. But running backs are going to be 50 50. And Kevin Wilson said that last week with Trey Sermon and, and Master Teague. Like they don't have, but you have to, you have to make some hard decisions because week two is Penn State. Mm, I know huge. Nebraska, 
we give them the proper amount of respect, but that game was 48-7 to in Lincoln last year. Mm. That's about as much of a tune-up as you could possibly have, even if Scott Frost is much better. You have to make these decisions because the opportunity to get the freshmen and younger guys' playing time is actually in November. You have to get through the first two weeks. You have to know, uh, and maybe it's these weekly scrimmages that Michael's talking about, you're going to have to settle on who's going to be out there in the meaningful moments because you're going to State College, Happy Valley, in week two. That's cra- that's that's crazy to think about as a former player thinking in two weeks we got to go potentially play our hardest game of the year at the biggest yeah. stadium. Yeah. For those those freshmen who are coming, that's going to come really quick because those <laughs> those first three games you're not playing Akron where it's the fourth quarter like oh I can get to go play in the shoe for but now they're going to go to Penn State. It's not going to be the same Penn State. It's not going to be the same. Penn it's State. not the white. It's not going to be a huge right. whiteout with 110,000. Mm-hmm. So just like Schlegel was talking about the NFL, is that home that home field advantage really going to be there or is it just going to be who the best team wins? And I think that's going to benefit Ohio state every place they go to, because they're not going to get this rambunctious crowd because the number one team's coming in. There's gonna be no one in the stands. So it's just team on team. And I'll take Ohio state all day long on that. <laughs> all day long. It is. It, it's really going to be kind of cool to interact with those Nebraska fans. Cause as you know, like outside of the world of, of, of football and when like the fans are just trying to come together to bring football back, Nebraska has been like all over yeah. the Ohio state train. Right. That is pretty cool. But, but like Jake just said, uh, going down to Penn State is not really that scary these days. It's going to be mono, mono against Imano. And, and when I was back there, I think it was my second game or maybe the third game, but we played, you know, USC. So it's one of those things where we had to go to L.A. We had to, you know, figure things out. We had a, a week there because at that time we didn't have school. So these guys are going to be ready for this particular moment. And, again, like we all alluded to, they're playing against the best of the best every day in practice. When you look at that BAI versus Zone 6, when you see those highlight films that they put out all the time, and it's amazing, even like the cartoon stories, I wish I would have did it for me. But, <laughs> oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's the marketing. Like, where was I at for that, man? Like, But, anyway, like, they are playing against the best of the best competition. They are the top programs. They are the elite of the elites. So when it comes down to it, it is very different for everybody across the board. So it's not like Nebraska got any more time. Yes, they're going to come out in the beginning of that game, play inspired ball. It is uh, O dash O. Everybody is just, whatever the season looks like, it looks like for them. So they're going to go out there with Ohio State, like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna take care of this particular business. And the way that the, 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 uh, the whatever committee designed Nebraska, they put Nebraska under the bus <laughs> when it come down to strength of schedule. Yeah. They got like some mighty, mighty – that's another story. But, you know, when it comes down to Ohio State, I hope they don't look past Nebraska and look at Penn State as a trap game being Nebraska. But I think they're going to be fine. These kids want to compete. They want to put out there and put film out there. They want to go to the next level. That is now the standard at The Ohio State University. Well, that first game, I would think they're – it's going to be like, might as well. I mean, they're going to be, oh. man, please. <laughs> They've been itching to play. Man. They haven't been, you know, it's been months. And the first, you get to go open up and play a bit, actual, like a real team. Nothing against the first three games, right. but like playing Nebraska first game of the year. I got goosebumps. I mean, they'll be juice. They'll yeah, be ready for it. I know they'll be ready for it. It'll just be an interesting season without the fans. Yeah. I, college football is a lot about the fans and the atmosphere. Not that the NFL is not, but college is just that different level and not having that. Have they said how many fans they'll have at Ohio State games, if uh, any? Zero. Zero. And I hope that they reconsider that now that they've seen, you know, we saw some of the Big 12 and SEC stadiums that had, you know, limited socially distanced, you know, fans, and it's worked. Uh, maybe Bengals and Browns, they got what, six grand, yeah. six fans? Maybe, six with, fans? maybe with four six more weeks, that could be something <laughs> that they revisit. I, I hope so, because, again, when we're talking about, you know, the horseshoe, the big house, you know, a, a whiteout. I mean, obviously that those things can't be duplicated, but for them to be completely empty, 
I mean, they were built for a reason because yeah. you can put 100,000 people in right, there. Right. It's not the same if they're not there. I think it's going to really help uh, Ohio State and some of these stronger teams. When you don't have the fans there, the momentum aspect of football starts mm. to abate. You know, this is always going to be there. When you're beating the crap out of a team, you're going to feel better, play better, all that kind of stuff. But the momentum aspect of hearing that crowd roar from a big turnover or something mm-hmm. like that is going to kind of be a little uh, diminished. And so I think the teams that are most mentally resilient and the teams that are best prepared and then the teams just that have the best talent are going to just – they're going to be able to take it to a different level. So you go to right. Nebraska, and that Nebraska atmosphere is pretty cool when you play there. It, mm-hmm. it's, they've got a good stadium. They have incredible fans. So when you go there, those that momentum can shift. Nebraska gets a lot from their yep. fans, and now they just get to go play Ohio State in an empty stadium. That's different. And Ohio State, the way they're coached – we went through that for X amount of minutes, but the way they're coached is different than these other schools. And so – I mean, they still have to go about their P's and Q's and prepare properly and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you show up to play Nebraska in an empty stadium. The only thing on your mind isn't, oh, you know, I want the fans to boo or I want the fans to cheer. The only thing on your mind is whooping Nebraska, play in <laughs> and play out. And I think the same thing's the the deal with Penn State. I think Penn State is a good team. Yeah, I think that their stadium really helps them a lot more than people think. Everybody that's sad. played at Penn State or been to a Penn yep. State night game would understand that – when you're down there and it's you know middle of the third quarter and you can see the air shaking in front of your face, like <laughs> I would assume Penn State players get jazzed by that. I would assume um, opposing players maybe don't get like nothing about it, but you right. can't hear each other. It's just right. a whole no, different sure. kind of atmosphere. Well, so then you go play Penn State in an empty stadium. Now you just got to be better than me. And that is that ain't happening. <laughs> I think that's about a good place to close it. Michael Bennett's got me ready to play. Stoney's got go. some goosebumps. <laughs> goosebumps. We only got some mac and, mac and cheese bites. Mac and there you cheese go. bites, yeah. But less, than a, less than a month ago, the pads are coming on this week for the Ohio State Buckeyes. We got a lot more coverage uh, of everything going on down the street coming at Letterman Row. Appreciate Michael Bennett, Anthony Schlegel, Jake Stoneburner, Doug Worthington hanging out for Letterman Live here at Rooster. Stay with us. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.